Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun on our discussion today and we're because we're going to be talking about how to really improve your performance and and you know how you are going about doing business. And so this is going to be so much fun to talk with my guest today who is an overachiever. I'm just going to go ahead, I'm going to put it out there for everybody before <laughs> I read the bio. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Carla Fowler to our program today. Welcome Carla. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Well, let me read a little bit about you and then we will dive in. So Dr. Carla Fowler is an MD and PhD, told you she was an overachiever, and an elite executive coach. For the last decade, she has been a secret weapon for scores of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other senior leaders. Carla's unique approach combines the latest research from performance science with timeless best practices to help top performers level up and achieve their goals. So again, Carla, welcome. Thank you. Great. Well, I always love to ask my guests how they got to where they are today, because I always think it's so interesting. And holy cow, you do have quite the story. So tell us a little bit about <laughs> you know, how, how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because of course when you look back, some things are clear that were less clear as you were going along. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, the most honest answer is that if I look back, I can see signs that I was obsessed with high performance as early as like fifth grade. Okay. Um, you know, that is the first time I can remember using. I didn't know it at the time, but like using a performance principle. Mm. Um, and that principle was deliberate practice, mm -hmm. um, an idea, you know, broached by Anders Ericsson. And, um, but it's sort of a silly story, but it was this point of saying there was this presidential physical fitness test. Mm. Some of you I remember like, those. may mm -hmm. remember this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you did a bunch of physical feats to get a certificate signed by the president. Right. <laughs> and, there was this one that I couldn't do. And it was the shuttle run, this silly thing where you sprint back and forth mm -hmm. between two lines and you move beanbags. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, I just can't get it. Uh, you know, and I went up to the school to practice like mm -hmm. of my own accord. I just mm -hmm. decided to go do it. And it, I kept trying it the same way and it wasn't working. And then finally it was like, you need to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, and short story is I changed, I, I changed. I realized I had to slow down sooner which felt ah. very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. but, um, but the point is, it was this moment that I can look back and say, you were already thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Like at that, at that moment, it wasn't something necessarily my parents told mm -hmm. me to go do. Um, but so that's just this funny story. But then when I kind of like fast forward, um, I see these moments in my life that were all building towards 
this sort of obsession with mm-hmm. high performance and also things I learned along the way, mm-hmm. which then coming into coaching um, and really now studying like performance science and thinking mm-hmm. about it. And now looking at all the ideas that are out there. I can now look back and say like, mm-hmm. okay, like, oh, I can see where I was using that philosophy. I can mm-hmm. see where I was applying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so fast forward a ways, <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I was always interested in really trying to figure out how to be good at things and, um, you know, a glutton for punishment maybe, but, um, there were a few things that I learned going along that kind of led me through my path. So, mm-hmm. um, one was often that if you sort of leaned into the stuff that was really tough, mm-hmm. like the challenging stuff, right. number one, less people are going to do it. And so oh. like, even if you just show up mm-hmm. and get started mm-hmm. and keep doing it, mm-hmm. like you're going to be at an advantage um, because a lot of people look at something and they say, oh, I don't want a piece of that. Um, you know, and so that was something I learned in middle school. Wow. This amazing teacher. Mm-hmm. And she, her name was Fran Call. She, um, believed, I think she believed young people were getting soft Ah, (laughs) and uh she would have us do all these physical challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, she had us walk around Lake Washington, which Mm -hmm. is a large lake in the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. It is like 55 miles in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And we were all like, we were like 12. Oh Um, my. We just kept walking. We literally, Mm -hmm. it took us 24 hours and we Mm -hmm. just kept walking. Mm -hmm. But like that, that moment of learning that, um, gr- like that grit to say, can you keep going? Mm-hmm. Can you suffer a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. Right. When um, you can see the end, you're like, I can do this. Yes. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do it. And also your sense of self-efficacy mm-hmm. when you find those things, and it's not the same for everyone in mm-hmm. life. Right. But I think it's often a really useful exercise to go back mm-hmm. and say, what was something really hard that mm-hmm. I went through? you know, and like, what, what do I know about myself from that? Um, and like, I don't like, Deb, do you have things like that? I mean, not to put you on the oh, spot, yeah, but yeah. you can probably think of mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and you do, you think, and then you think, what did it take to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and mm-hmm. frequently we're amazed, you know, we're like, wow, I really did do that. Yeah, exactly. So Fast, fast forward a little further. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think one thing was I was always pretty interested in math and science. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so ultimately, um, you know, where I ended up was I really was wanting to focus in those fields. I mm-hmm. was, um, you know, interested in particularly in immunology mm-hmm. because um, I got to take a class as, a, um, as an undergrad. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, this is the future. There is something very special about this that mm-hmm. will influence our diagnostics, our therapeutics. Um, you know, this will be what a lot of businesses built around, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be very exciting. Mm-hmm. And so, th- in this moment, I was like, I think I need to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was interesting, but also there was this point of saying you should go get in the arena where mm-hmm. exciting stuff is happening. Right. Also often where challenging stuff is mm-hmm. happening. But if you go get yourself in that arena, mm-hmm. you are going to learn more. You're going to experience more and your performance is going to go up as a result. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's where there will be opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately immunology is such a medical and a scientific right. field. Yeah, it's very both, scientific. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that there's both research happening, but there's also obviously a lot of patient care that's happening. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, a classmate was like, hey, Carla, did you know that they have programs where you can study uh, both uh, medicine and um, get a PhD and they're funded programs? Cool. Like they'll, <laughs> they'll, if you do the extra work, they'll mm-hmm. pay you to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that sounds like the best deal ever. Right. And I also asked myself, is that hard? Mm-hmm. Yes, it sounds mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I just always thought that like, looking across disciplines and Mm -hmm. saying, how do we merge these two things Mm -hmm. really produce something new and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is sort of how I ended up um, Mm -hmm. applying for and attending um, what was called a medical scientist training program. Okay. And this is where it's like a double stuffed Oreo. You start Mm -hmm. with some med school, you mm-hmm. then go get a PhD, mm-hmm. then you finish your med school, and then you are launched onto residency. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, and so I entered one of these programs, mm-hmm. and really, this was this wonderful learning ground because I was surrounded mm-hmm. by high performing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about kind of the cut that gets me, yeah, anybody in a, in, a, in a medical or a PhD program are high performance people. I mean, that's just, they have to be. Yeah. And I think part of also why I wanted to be there was this thought of like, how do you surround yourself with the smartest people Mm -hmm. you can find? Because that will benefit you. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so, and again, there's this little piece of me, I think, that wasn't um, fully at the surface level that was Mm -hmm. like, I just want to watch and see and observe everything Mm -hmm. that is happening here. Um, And, you know, like a big piece of that is um, it's, it's, it's a challenging road, you know, mm-hmm. like there's a lot to learn. And mm-hmm. also um, someone who is a great doctor or great scientist is not always what we think of when we think of like someone who really studied teaching or coaching mm-hmm. or mentoring, right? right? Um, they are excellent and we need them. Mm-hmm. And also you've got to be able to learn in environments that weren't necessarily set up for mm-hmm. like, the perfect learning experience, Mm -hmm. you know, how how we would all choose for it to happen. Mm -hmm. And I learned some really valuable things that Mm -hmm. are still um, a huge piece of when I think about performance Mm -hmm. today. And Mm -hmm. one of those was from my mentor. Mm -hmm. So I entered kind of a world-class immunotherapy lab. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, a way to think of that is just how do we leverage the immune system mm-hmm. and get it to attack cancers mm-hmm. is sort of the, the way to think about what we studied. Mm-hmm. And of course, we studied very small molecules, mm-hmm. not important to talk about today. Uh, but um, one of the things I learned from my mentor, Phil Greenberg, fantastic scientist, was, um, you know, I would walk into his office and say, Phil, I want to run this experiment. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, why, why are you doing that? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and I remember at first, you know, at first my answer is like, cause I want to graduate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. but it's, you know, I mean, but he, he brought up this really important point, which is you really need to think about what matters most to produce the results you want. Mm-hmm. And in science, often that is, and actually in business also, um, it's about asking the right question. Right. So you can ask lots of questions, mm-hmm. but 
some of them aren't as interesting as others. And what that means is the answer is not as valuable as the answer right. to others. Um, and I think you see this coming up in business, mm-hmm. just again, um, you know, which is uh, primarily where I'm focused in coaching now. But mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it's like saying, hey, a really good question to ask is to get real curious about my customers, mm-hmm. right? right? There's some good questions mm-hmm. to ask. Versus sometimes being like, well, is like this feature or this thing. They should want this. Why don't they want this? (laughs) Why don't they, why don't they want this is not as good as, can you tell me about yourself and what are your problems and really get into the nitty gritty Mm -hmm. about your problem so Mm -hmm. I can understand it. Mm -hmm. Right. So this knowing what really matters, because I think we are inundated every day with so much information and we're just, I mean, our brains are just trying to sort it all. And we're constantly getting stuff about like, oh, you need to do this in the morning. If you do this in the morning before you get up, you'll be a success. Or you need to um, you know, make sure you dot all the I's and cross the T's. I'll tell you, Phil, when I came with an idea for something, he would tell me straight out. Um, he would say, you know, he's like, you could go kind of dotting those I's, crossing those T's on someone else's work. Or you could figure out like, What's the work you want to produce? Mm-hmm. What's um, what's going to be big and really meaningful mm-hmm. to the field? Um, and that that idea of really focusing on what's going to matter most mm-hmm. to your results is something that now features very prominently. Um, I would say both from my understanding and study of performance science, mm-hmm. and it features very heavily now in the coaching I do today. Right. So. Um, all right. So now the big question. Okay, Carla, how did you get into coaching? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, because hello, you were a medical doctor and now you're, you know, yes. now you're in, in a coaching area. Yeah. So I took a brief stint of a year of surgical residency training, mm-hmm. and right. that was really the pivot point for me. Mm-hmm. Again, lots of interesting high performers to watch and observe. Mm-hmm. Oh, surgeons, um, especially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I will tell you this, something I love about surgeons, and this is part of what really drew me to that field, was um, that is a group of people who really has to see, Mm -hmm. own, and then improve their choices. Right. And this is something I talk about a lot Mm -hmm. in terms of performance and thinking Mm -hmm. about it, is that we actually have a lot of agency, um, often more than we think we do, mm-hmm. but a big piece of it is seeing how is being able to see choices we're making. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's seeing a choice that's not, a, that we're not making a choice. Like mm-hmm. we're not right. taking an action, mm-hmm. but that's still a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I really appreciated that surgery was one of those fields of medicine where you couldn't just like, well, let's just try something. It was yeah. like, hmm, what happens if we do this? You, mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we going to cut or are we not going to cut? Mm-hmm. And then we might have imperfect data, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't get to wait until you have all the data. And right. this it's, is, yeah. Awesome. I mean, especially in surgery, it, it truly right. in many cases is an absolute emergency. Yes. But I, what I love about this is it is true across fields. So mm-hmm. it's not just true in surgery mm-hmm. in business. Often the moment to make a move is before you actually have, right. you don't get 100% certainty. No. And, that, and that's kind of boring. It, I love that you said that. <laughs> it is because, well, I mean, I think as human beings, we really want 
control. I mean, we will put all sorts of energy action into. But we also want to be challenged. Mm -hmm. You know, and and which is kind of, you know, I mean, you can be in control and be challenged, but it's it's tricky. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's a balance Mm -hmm. and it takes it definitely takes some ability to kind of see both things like going on in your head, Mm -hmm. like the voice that says, I really want to clamp down on this and control it. Mm -hmm. And the part of you that has to be like, hey, if I'm in business, if I'm actually doing something kind of exciting where something could go wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that there is something really wonderful and valuable about Mm -hmm. that without which I would be so bored. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so it's this really interesting balance. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, one of the things that I work with people on a lot in my coaching practice is this idea, and we can definitely talk about this Mm -hmm. uh, later in the podcast, is this idea of relishing uncertainty. Mm -hmm. That uncertainty is often a sign of opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's also inherent to challenging things Mm -hmm. um, that have great, like that potentially have big upsides. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just maybe with the money or, or the, the success of the business, but they also often have upsides for what they do to us mm-hmm. right. inside mm-hmm. for having gone through that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So anyways, with the surgeons, <laughs> um, I think that was the moment when I just realized how, how excited I was about both having kind of a really um, multifaceted life where there was mm-hmm. room to pursue performance in multiple avenues. And mm-hmm. um, as we were talking before the show, surgery is something you really have to go deep into and really commit to mm-hmm. because that's just what's required. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of long I, hours. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and thank you to all of the surgeons out there who are there when we show up in the middle mm-hmm. of the night with, you know, appendicitis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh yeah. Or anything mm-hmm. else because um, I have a great deal of respect for them. Mm-hmm. And um, but for me, I realized that my love, the thing I most loved, wasn't this one thing that mm-hmm. I needed to go really deep into. This mm-hmm. actually sort of this whole meta field mm-hmm. of what it takes to perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. Whether you are a surgeon, whether mm-hmm. you are um, for me, I was always very uh, interested in athletics. So mm-hmm. that was a, a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then even within business, mm-hmm. um, you know, my husband's an entrepreneur and I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time thinking about like, right. how does this manifest mm-hmm. in that field as mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, it was, it took some hard thinking, but it was clear to me mm-hmm. uh, that my next challenge was to uh, actually was to leave residency mm-hmm. and to um, build a methodology and build a practice that mm-hmm. would allow me to study, understand, and mm-hmm. most importantly, really bring performance science to people mm-hmm. who were doing things that were ambitious, important, right. and who would impact the world. Mm-hmm. And if I could make them 5% better, if I could make them 10% better, mm-hmm. that that would have this huge mm-hmm. um, impact right. for their business, for their teams, you know, for their customers, mm-hmm. Um, or for their for their members for um, for a nonprofit for mm-hmm. whoever is a community right. that they're working mm-hmm. with. Yeah, so I love it. That is, and that was ten years ago, almost oh. ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, so, and and you founded your own business. Um, you know, and 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 you know, it's 
it, it, it's so interesting. I love hearing about how my guests got to where they are because virtually none of them, you know, you're asked as, you know, a little five-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and you might have said doctor. I mean, you know, because that's kind of one of those things that, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's very rarely is it what we end up with, um, you know, and, and, you know, maybe some variations, but yeah, most people really start. And, and part of that is because when you're a five-year-old, you know, you, you have a limited view of the world, Yes, but, but yeah, it's, it is just so interesting to really see where they go. And, and I think what interested me most about you was you, you really made those changes. I mean, so many people would have gone, I've done this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've gone to medical school. Medical school is very hard, lots of hours. Therefore, I must stay there. You know, and, and, and obviously society, all those various things. I'm guessing that when you yeah. told people, I'm not going to do that, they went, what? <laughs> but you know, it was not a popular decision. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so, but, but you went, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go where my heart needs to go. And that's what so many entrepreneurs you know, are, are have have really done, and the the funny thing is, I find in almost every program, you know, we talk about the pandemic. I mean, you know, it's it's just there, and so many people during the pandemic, especially during like the first six months, really did think, "Is this what I want to be doing with my life?" Yeah, and and it gave them the opportunity to either, you know, maybe it was a side gig that they'd been doing, and or a hobby or something, and and to think this is really what I want to do with my life. And, and it's been fun to watch those people who embrace that, um, you know, and then other people, God bless them went, I want to stay here. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and maybe those are people who found like they found what they wanted earlier yeah, than some early of the rest on. of us. Uh-huh. And, um, and that, Right. And that is good too. Um, certainly there is always a cost associated with changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's worth, it's mm-hmm. worth thinking about, mm-hmm. but I always also bring up, there is a cost associated with staying. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. If something's not feeding you, if it is not helping you continue mm-hmm. to grow right, and you can decide to strategic, there mm-hmm. reasons to strategically mm-hmm. stay and, and be thoughtful about right. that. But right. There's also the acknowledgement of saying, okay, I can do that, but mm-hmm. what am I doing to, what am I going to do to change mm-hmm. my situation? Right. Um, in particular, even small things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the topics just that I am, I, I believe, I don't believe there are many silver bullets in mm-hmm. performance. So I, I sure I have a few hacks, like little things, mm-hmm. but when it comes to really making meaningful change or um, meaningful jumps up, I don't tend to find that, you know, the productivity industry, you know, generally has a good answer for mm-hmm. that. Um, right. So um, it's often a little meatier, sometimes mm-hmm. takes some more investment. Mm-hmm. But one thing that is as close to magic mm-hmm. as I have found is the idea of compounding. And mm-hmm. as, you know, as someone in business, this is mm-hmm. a concept, you know, anyone who thinks about kind of money and this right. understands. Yes. There's compound compounding. interest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's, Magical in the sense that if you give it some time, you add the secret ingredient of time, mm-hmm. and if you have consistency, that you suddenly produ- can produce what feels like an outsized result. Right. Mm-hmm. So, a great example of this during the pandemic uh, was just that our brains aren't very well set up to think exponentially. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, 
our brains just don't kind of evolutionarily, we're used to things we can count, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think a a tribe of up to about 150 Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was manageable. And after that Mm -hmm. you split. Right. Yeah. We just, we, Um, we, we can't, you know, the, for the people that are, I, I love the people that say, I have 30,000 LinkedIn connections. No, you have about a hundred that you pay attention to. <laughs> yes, that's a really good point. Right. And and so our brains have trouble. And I think that's one of the reasons the pandemic was really difficult. Was right. When we were because we at did not know. Graphs mm-hmm. of numbers, mm-hmm. what seemed like a huge peak mm-hmm. in like March or mm-hmm. April, I mean, comparatively, to how it grew then over time and the right. follow-up peaks. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't imagine how it could go from like, well, 10 cases and this many mm-hmm. cases and this many cases right. to like hundreds mm-hmm. and thousands and then the mm-hmm. millions. So our brains do struggle with mm-hmm. this idea of exponential growth, mm-hmm. which, which is why I think we sometimes struggle with the idea that if we can make the right small change and do it with consistency, that it will take a while But suddenly there comes this point in business, it's often the hockey stick, uh, (laughs) where things start to move really fast and growth takes place really quickly in a way that feels outsized for what you're putting in Mm -hmm. kind of every day. And it is amazing where this happens in all parts of our lives. Like, for example, um, if you start in sales, I love talking about sales because uh, people who commit to sales and really do the hard work on that, um, it's a superpower. Um, and in business, there's making stuff and selling stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you are in sales, uh, <laughs> period. In sales, mm-hmm. exactly. And you know, most of us really like to make stuff. Like I love to coach, mm-hmm. right? But when I started my coaching practice, it was so clear to me that this thing that I wasn't sure that I was going to like doing, but I was like, you need, you have no clients. 10 years ago. You have to be in sales. Mm -hmm. You need to go out Mm -hmm. and tell people about your business. You need to figure out how to get clients. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're in sales. And when you think about starting a pipeline, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just got to pour in energy and pour in energy Mm -hmm. and keep going and keep going. And you look at someone who's been doing this for a long time and what starts to compound for them is these relationships. Even people mm-hmm. who didn't buy, mm-hmm. but by five years in of you calling them are like, you know, I actually do have a problem now. And right. I actually do. Or I know somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're so familiar to me that I actually, I like you're consistent mm-hmm. and I trust you. Yep. Right. It's the whole so, no like trust thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. But this idea of compounding and figuring out, because often we feel like we want something or we need to make a change and it feels so massive. And so Mm -hmm. I really like to say small changes can make really big impacts when we do them consistently Mm -hmm. over time and figuring out what's a small change that's going to be meaningful Mm -hmm. is a key piece of, I think, where we see high-performing people, mm-hmm. like maybe we can't totally tell. They look kind of like us. They look kind of like us. And then you see something really start to right. change. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is, what was the small change they chose to make? Mm-hmm. And how does it like, how meaningful was that change? Like how important was it as a lever to produce what you mm-hmm. want to produce? Right. Yeah. You know, and so, and it's, it, the, the high performers are obviously those who, you know, tend to be more successful. I mean, you know, because nothing's 100%. But then it scares the rest of us because 
when we hear about, read about high performers, you know, what gets out there are things like this person only sleeps three hours a night and reads 94 <laughs> books a week, you know, and, and all of these things. And we think, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I need yeah. to sleep more than three and, and book. I read a book. Yes. Um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so the, the, the sweet sauce, the silver bullet is finding what works for you and not somebody else. And I think that's where it gets a little confusing is people, you know, because we do hear those things, you know, and it's like, yeah, well, the only way you're going to be successful and a high performer is if you do X, Y, Z. And we go, yes. that's not going to work. <laughs> you know? um, so, so when yes. you work with people, how do you start finding what that secret sauce is of theirs? Yeah. And I think that's such a good point because, you know, part of one-on-one individual coaching. So I work with, I work with leaders one-on-one. Um, it is, it is an in-depth way of, of doing the work. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm, I'm really excited to be on your podcast because for a long time I was thinking, well, I'm getting to go really deep with these people mm-hmm. and help them. Right. But there's actually, there are principles of performance that can help everyone. Everybody. And that, mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone. And mm-hmm. Part of it is saying, okay, how do I apply this for me? How do I mm-hmm. think about it? As right. you said, like what's going to work for me? Mm-hmm. But if you can give people the right set of lenses, mm-hmm. it's going to help them look at their life and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, where is this relevant for me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so part of, so the, I think one of the important things is every person's different. And so mm-hmm. that's why I really think a lot about, okay, what are the principles? And then what makes sense with these principles with this client? Mm-hmm. And then say, and then we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I act a lot as a thought partner and a dialogue partner and then bringing ideas to the table. Mm -hmm. But then we have to say like, okay, how do we apply this? Mm -hmm. Because they're an expert at their industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not an expert at their industry. Um, So that's sort of how we then start to say, Mm -hmm. what's going to work for you? Mm -hmm. And so now might be a great time to talk about some of those principles. I know, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone was very patient with my story of growing up and some of the stuff I learned, Mm -hmm. but over the past 10 years, what I've really done is try to distill that Mm -hmm. to say, what are the key things that I think help everyone Mm -hmm. when they're thinking about their performance? Right. Mm -hmm. So there are three things. Um, the first one, um, I call it brutal focus. <laughs> um, no, I call it brutal focus because I think we have such a culture that says, do it all, do it all, do it all. That when I talk about focusing, it almost feels a little bit like, like what, you know, what are you saying to not do all those things? Mm-hmm. Or that I could actually just say, well, not yet for that. Mm-hmm. or not now, but I'm going to focus on this and this, which really matter. And that's a really different feeling for people. Mm-hmm. So I talk about brutal focus. What I mean is, and what I do with my clients is we always start every engagement with kind of a, a strategic retreat where we just talk in depth and really explore um, sort of three big things. Uh, the first one is, what do you want? And that's not a simple question, mm-hmm. um, but we really try to get down to, and I think everyone can do this if they just take a little bit of time and maybe like, you know, a little post-it doesn't right. have to be a big piece of paper, um, but just think about what do I really want. And you can even just do it in one area of your life, right? If there's something that you're, or one area of your business, if you're like, this is, I want something in this area, something different from what's right now. 
And then we really talk about what is most important for getting that. And on the way there, of course, we make long lists of all sorts of things that might be important or things they're doing or like, well, I heard this was important, but I haven't managed to fit it in, but I feel like I should do it. And we start to, we kind of get the pile mm-hmm. because a lot of us have a pile. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Big piles. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Big piles. But then part of what we do is we just kind of look at it. And as an outside observer, mm-hmm. it's often really helpful to do this with mm-hmm. a coach because I can start to look at the pile and it's like, well, you know, what's this thing getting you? And kind right. of what's this thing getting because you? Because we and look at our to- piles and we go, we don't even know where to start. Oh yeah. Cause it's a pile mm-hmm. and it yeah. takes a lot of mental mm-hmm. bandwidth, but you start to connect the dots and really pick out what are the drivers? What are the things really driving things? Mm-hmm. Not all the things that might be good to do or man, that morning routine that that CEO does and like, how am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. But just the stuff that really um, is going to be a driver. I like to think of it as the big gears okay. that are going to move you mm-hmm. forward. Um, and then we look and try and say, what's kind of extraneous here? Like, because I think a lot of the pile is stuff that's extraneous mm-hmm. and is kind of distracting. Um, it also makes us feel overwhelmed and busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is brutal focus is the art of saying, okay, like, what do I want? Um, and actually spending some time defining a goal that excites you. And that's specific enough that you could actually then start to say, well, okay, well, if that's the goal, then really these are the kinds of things that are going to be more important for that. Um, so that's kind of where we start. Mm-hmm. And I think often for people looking at what they could subtract is a very powerful exercise. Right. We're often thinking, yeah. about is it adding. really that important? Yes. Right. Well, and also like, where am I going to add that? And where am I going to add that? Mm-hmm. And, and if my success is going to re- lie on me adding things, mm-hmm. well, I'm just not going to be successful because I right. don't have room to add. Because I only have 28 yeah. hours in my day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So principle number two, principle number one, brutal focus mm-hmm. and that art of, of thinking through that. Um, number two is um, I just call it culti- learning to cultivate power. Okay. And this is something, Deb, when I think about you and your background, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like you, I can only imagine how many people you've helped do this because for me, the cultivating power has sort of three, three elements to it. Um, One is thinking about what are the kinds of results that really matter Mm -hmm. that give you some power and doing whatever you need to do to produce some of those. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, um, if your business is producing, you know, more revenue, Mm -hmm. like that gives you more power to do stuff. Right. Right. Um, But often when we want to produce results, we need to think about like, maybe I need to improve a skill. Like would my Mm -hmm. results improved if I improved like I'm maybe I'm not very experienced with selling. Mm-hmm. There are so many great books on selling. Mm-hmm. What if you read one book? Mm-hmm. In fact, what if you didn't read it? What if you listened to it? Right. Mm-hmm. During your commute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's leveling up a skill, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's figuring out what are the gaps that will help you sort of produce a result mm-hmm. that will matter. Then the second piece is your results don't matter if they're not visible in some way. Mm-hmm. And this is this really tricky thing about performance and the difference between like performance and success. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a great book on this topic. It was written by um, a scientist who studied networks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And um, it was called the formula. And he, he studied the difference between people who had equivalent kind of results, whether it was in art, sports, business, mm-hmm. even in the military, um, and found that there were people who had uh, similar track records, but one person became like, you know, the rock star mm-hmm. and the other person was kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. And the difference was that in many areas where exact res- um, performance is hard to measure, mm-hmm. like where it's not as clear who's winning and losing, mm-hmm. um, network and visibility comes into effect. Ah. So how aware people are mm-hmm. of what you've done mm-hmm. matters a lot. So in tennis, if you win a match, it's mm-hmm. pretty clear. And so actually, if you're if you're winning matches, generally you're visible. Those mm-hmm. two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. In business you know, if you run a practice or you run something and there are other businesses like yours, you might be doing great work, but if it's not visible, um, it's a little harder for people to measure like, you know, what's, what's happening there. Mm-hmm. So the second piece of cultivating power is saying, how do you promote? How do you make yourself visible? How do you bring that network into play so that people are seeing what you're producing? Mm-hmm. And then the third piece um, is really about... Um, saying to do anything at scale, you need people. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so creating that network becomes really important. Um, those relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was thinking about you, Deb, as uh, when um, I came to this principle, just because I think, you know, all sorts of the things you do around, like, how do you use social media? How do you create a LinkedIn presence? Like those are really important things, which is how you create some visibility mm-hmm. around who are you? What are you doing? Right. How do you bring that network effect into play? Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I bring that up just because a lot of people are like, I just want to do my best work. I'm going to do my good work. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And how are we going to help people see that? Mm-hmm. So, all right. Cultivate power is the second principle. Now, the third principle is relishing uncertainty. So, This is one that I love because when we're doing big things, when you're running a business, building business, starting a business, um, uh, facing a pandemic as a CEO of a company and saying, oh, wow, now what? Um, And then, so there's just, there will always be uncertainty in the world. And um, we spend a lot of energy often trying to get control. That makes our brains happy as human beings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. um, yeah. And we, um, the thing is though, that, um, it's that uncertainty is never going to go away. You know, there are always sort of probability curves and we can understand some of those things, but there are always those long tail events. And so we really have to think about how do we want to live and work in the face of that? And maybe even more than that, how might we, if not enjoy it, <laughs> How might we kind of just relish that um, the fact that there is uncertainty means there's the possibility that we will be delightfully surprised, um, that we will learn something important. Um, and really the only way to get those things is to kind of lean into that uncertainty. And so a couple of things I talk about people with are number one, cultivating a mindset of abundance. And here's what I mean by that. I say, you know, there are often really multiple routes to get somewhere great. Sometimes where we end up is not where we thought we would, but it's great. 
Sometimes it's better than something we actually could have planned or imagined Mm -hmm. for ourselves. Um, So it's a way of saying, you know, we don't, things don't have to go perfect to have a really interesting and successful outcome. Right. Um, I think the second piece is really about um, saying, all right, there's things that are knowable and there's things that are not knowable. And um, if there's stuff that is knowable, but I don't know it, okay, sometimes I can fill in those gaps and that could be less uncertain. So if I can do that, go do some of the, go do the work on that. Um, The internet is amazing as a tool to even just learn something very quickly. Um, But some things kind of aren't knowable and we could spend a lot of energy trying to like learn more or do this or do this, but it's actually something that we need to um, go out and try something to learn it. Um, And so this kind of brings me to my last point under relishing uncertainty, which is as a scientist, this kind of goes back to my history. I love teaching people to run a good experiment. (laughs) So rather than saying, I got to plan it all out, I got to know exactly what's going to happen. You say, this is going to be experiment. And the whole point is to learn what happens Mm -hmm. and to set it up. Well, I should probably think about what's the upside like, what's the best case scenario right. that I think yeah. could happen? If, if everything is perfect, what's going to happen? Yes. yes. And then also think about the downside. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, worst case scenario, um, you know, maybe I'm out some money. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like, okay, like we launched something, it kind of flops. So we sort mm-hmm. of reputationally got to acknowledge yeah. Oops. that <laughs> and then pivot. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Try the next idea. Um, But it's thinking about, I mean, there are experiments one could run that have a huge downside. So Mm -hmm. that's not always something you don't want to go bankrupt. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like betting the company Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, might not be the right strategy. But rather than thinking about it as like, oh, there's a good decision and there's a bad decision, and I just need to figure out what the good Mm -hmm. decision is, to say, no, there's a lot of experiments you could run and they mm-hmm. exist on a spectrum. And the thing that kind of makes better experiments versus worse experiments mm-hmm. is often um, you want some, you would love an outsized potential positive return for the amount of risk you're taking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to make sure you're going to learn something. Mm-hmm. So um, that means just setting up the experiment so that if it doesn't, well, actually, if it goes how you want it to, or mm-hmm. it doesn't go how you want it mm-hmm. to, that... Um, you know, you understand what happened. So sometimes that means setting up ahead of time. Maybe it's not just launch a thing, Mm -hmm. but commonly you want to launch a thing, but you also want to have um, maybe some feedback sessions or Mm -hmm. some ways that you might get that initial Mm -hmm. feedback on it so that you're really not just um, operating um, like, well, it didn't seem to work, but we have no idea why. We don't know why it Um, didn't work, but we don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) Or we think everyone loved this feature. Let's do more of that. But then like actually the thing people loved was something totally Yeah, different. they liked the color. <laughs> the feature yes. didn't mean it. I said they liked it. It was purple. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that, so the three things, and again, these are kind of high level, but I went into some more detail because I think they are, they're a framework or a lens that anyone can really say, take to mm-hmm. one piece of your business mm-hmm. or your life. Um, you know, start small and just say, how could I focus in this mm-hmm. area? Starting right. with the goal, 
and mm-hmm. then really figuring out what's most important. Mm-hmm. And then as you're going to that cultivate power to say, okay, how do I use what's mo- like, what's most important to really produce some results and how do I make those results visible? And how do I make sure I have the people around me that are going to help make this big? And then lastly, how do I relish uncertainty? You know, how can I enjoy as much as I can of the excitement of this? Um, and so those are things that we really focus on in, in coaching and figuring out where do those things come up? How are they relevant and what are we going to do with them? Right. You know, and I, I love the uncertainty part because there is always uncertainty. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. And so knowing, okay, it's going to happen. So what are we going to do? You know, and, and all the businesses that unfortunately shut down because of the pandemic, in many cases, had never thought, what if? Now, nobody <laughs> was foreseeing a pandemic. That just, you know, now you might, you know, since you are an immunologist by, by background, maybe, but, but for the most part, people went, no, you know, that was, that was so outside the realm, but they still could have been planning for smaller what ifs, you know, what if my internet is down for a week? What if my business catches fire? Um, You know, long ago I did crisis management planning and I got into that after September 11th. Because, you know, that was obviously one of the first big times where companies were going this direction and whoop, (laughs) we really had to, you know, go a different direction. And so we were working with people to say, okay, hopefully, fingers, toes, eyes crossed, something like that will never happen again. But what happens if, say, the sprinkler system goes off in your business? You know, do you Mm -hmm. have backups of your computers? Do you, right. you know, could you purchase more computers? Um, and and I, I happened to work for a company at that time that we did that. I mean, we we had very good crisis management planning. And so we, we really did figure out, okay, what if we can't get into our building? What if the CEO keels over dead? What if, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all of those things. And so we tried to go through those. And of course, by having that planning done, then if something like a pandemic comes up, you're not quite so lost, um, you know, because really just things mm-hmm. as simple as, okay, what if we can't get into our building and people have to work from home? You know, right. That was the, because that was probably one of the biggest things that was the problem. And, and it was, it was very sudden, right? People worked on Friday <laughs> in the office and on Monday they were not yes. in the office. And, yes. you know, and, and so if you had planned that, okay, the, the key people had laptops and they were supposed to take them home every night. Um, you know, did everybody have, I mean, I talked to somebody who months into working from home still did not have a good chair that she was sitting in every day. And, yeah. and she said, you know, it's just so, so hard for, and of course, then the problem was you couldn't buy them because everybody went, Ooh, we need desk chairs at home. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it was, you know, do you have a little space for a home office if you had to do that? And so many people feared, okay, were they going to make me work from home? You know, I'm, I might call in sick and they're going to say, no, you can still be working. But, you know, no, it's it's kind of those those planning type of things that then if something really does happen, you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's so true. And you know, one of the interesting things, because planning is obviously it is it is helpful and it is good to have a plan, particularly some of the crisis management stuff mm-hmm. you're bringing up. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways, so sometimes when I'm working with clients, and certainly, so I worked with executives, leaders of nonprofits, like leaders in companies mm-hmm. through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
One of the things that I think is really important that I like to bring into planning is, yes, there are some key things that you need to think about. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways to think about it is rather than saying, what are all of the what ifs, Mm -hmm. right? And trying to get to a detailed... Mm -hmm. Yes, right. I mean, well, you could just you could just go down. You that could drive yourself crazy, forward. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the ways I like to think about it is to say, what are the things that really need to be in place mm-hmm. to buy you time mm-hmm. or runway? Right. So and well, and often money is related to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have money in a crisis, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. are options you have that you don't have if you right. don't. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like how, you know, from a personal standpoint, we all should have, you know, three months living expenses in the bank. Right. And you don't know why you're going to need them. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I mean, and hopefully you never do. I mean, that's vacation. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, but the, but the point is, um, I like to think about what kind of time do you need time Mm -hmm. or resources to then figure the rest out. So what I, what I try and move towards, and this is a little bit of that brutal focus of mm-hmm. saying, no, like, don't, we don't want to spend the bandwidth on the perfect, like, uh, plan to manage every and any type mm-hmm. of crisis that can come up. But it is to say, how do you have some of that personal bandwidth to mm-hmm. say, or that company bandwidth to say, we believe in ourselves that we will be able to figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. We will need some time to do that, which means we'll probably need some money to do mm-hmm. that. And what do we think is sufficient to then say, based on whatever kind of business mm-hmm. you're running, to put things into place? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's an interesting perspective because mm-hmm. many people who come up into positions of leadership or running their own businesses are actually really good at the details. Right, like they are good at having a plan. And the idea of actually leaving leaving some uncertainty on the table, mm-hmm. even if you could make a plan because mm-hmm. you're that good. <laughs> Um, is a really interesting strategy, but mm-hmm. part of it is so you can invest like some of that bandwidth mm-hmm. um, in other places right. versus always having to plan to the nth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this kind of comes to that. It, it's sort of a something that comes up in entrepreneurial circles. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's this idea of, I think it was like, you got to let some fires burn. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the way I put it in my practice is like when we're really focused we have the ability to produce our best results Mm -hmm. because it means we're using our time and our resources potently and elegantly. But what that means is that um, we need to tolerate a little bit of mess. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) like the idea of, no, if we have everything perfectly organized and straightened in our life and everything is like, Mm -hmm. you know, in the right box, that's a lot of extra time invested down a pathway Mm -hmm. that, Stopped producing results for us. At right. about yeah, because you're worried about that box. Yes. Versus I always used to say like, well, you know, if you know that you could probably find the paper within an mm-hmm. hour, if you really needed that mm-hmm. piece of paper, that's probably good enough for mm-hmm. filing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to find a piece of paper in one second flat. Right. So why would we ever create a filing mm-hmm. system that requires that much mm-hmm. time invested for an outcome that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And this just gets us back to mm-hmm. what results really matter, mm-hmm. whether it's in a crisis, like what's going to really matter mm-hmm. in those first few days. Right. And that depends on your business. Mm-hmm. But thinking through that is, is important. Mm-hmm. But so this idea of being able to tolerate some mess, I think mm-hmm. is really useful mm-hmm. because um, again, 
kind of a perfectionistic mindset, something that can kind of get in our way. Mm-hmm. Um, it often produces, helps us perform at a high level as we're coming through our lives, like early in our careers when we're really on top of it, like that is often seen as a sign for promotion and right. all of that. Mm-hmm. And there comes this point when we're responsible for enough that like, oh, we're not going to dot all those I's and cross all mm-hmm. those T's. And it's it's um, okay. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not what matters anymore. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah. So I, I love it. There's a, a, a meme that just popped into my head that floats around every once in a while. And, and I think it was Einstein or somebody, you know, some, so one of those really smart people that, you know, they, they say, you know, the cluttered desk is the sign of a cluttered mind. And then the next step, and, and this is the part that I love is, well, but what is the empty desk a sign of, right? You know, because it, it, rather than using the words clean desk, the empty desk, okay, you know, so so are you so focused on getting every little thing done that then, you know, you've, you've, you've lost that focus? Um, you know, it's okay to have, have that little cluttered desk around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And also like, you know, you figure out what works for you, mm-hmm. figure out what's the level. Yeah. That you're going to need to be effective, but you don't have to go over that. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I worked with a gentleman, and this was years ago, who is, he saved he, every piece of paper he ever touched <laughs> in his office. I mean, and it was just like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and, and he, and for the most part, he could put his hands on whatever it was. You know, so if somebody said, and he was a computer programmer, so he literally would print every single line of code, you know, and, and, and so, but he could, but, but, you know, it was just, and you'd walk in there and it was just overwhelming to most people because it was, you know, it was, it wasn't a hoarder situation, but it was fairly close to that. But I do remember, you know, that the fire department went through one time and said, no, 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 (laughs) (laughs) this is a fire hazard in here. And it stressed him out so much when he was told that that wasn't how he could function, he left. He said, I, I can't work like this. Um, you know, and, and, and he, I mean, he truly was one of those incredibly high performing type of people. He had his system and the second somebody yeah. messed with it, no, you know, he, he couldn't, he couldn't function. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, and these it, these moments that sort of show us what's important to us, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And what really helps mm-hmm. us do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Of course, the funny thing was there were critters in there too. <laughs> you know, it was like there was so many. It was like okay, ew. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it was just it was one of those things where, it, and and I think we see this all the time where somebody has something that's working, somebody else doesn't think it should work that way. And they tell them, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, you know, like the people who who work, you know, or who only sleep three hours a night. That's right. working for them. <laughs> you know, if somebody yeah. tells them, oh my God, you have to start sleeping at least twice that as much, then then it doesn't work, you know, and, and the reverse is true. I mean, yeah. you know, um, it, it, it's it, it, what's working for them works for them. You know, maybe we need to tweak some things so that there aren't critters wandering around in our office. But, but yeah, you right. know, it's, it's, you know, if it's, and, and, and it really is, especially with the high performing people. I mean, you know, it, it, it seems like if you tweak one little thing, sometimes they really cannot function. Yeah. 
And I think this is one of the places where actually individualized coaching can be so powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. Because again, like there are a lot of great books out there and you can read things, but they, or, or podcasts or things, but they don't necessarily have the ability to right. um, say, okay, but what about me and my situation? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and one of the things, so as a coach that I really focus on is, again, it's not about, okay, we're going to change everything. Mm-hmm. Number one, what we think about is driven by what does someone want to achieve, mm-hmm. right? And that, because mm-hmm. like, that's what should be our driver. Mm-hmm. And then we start to look at, um, you know, we do look at how they are doing things, mm-hmm. but I think that where we start again is to say, okay, what's really most important for right. that? So we're mm-hmm. not going to go into all the different things. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make you change everything, but we're going to mm-hmm. say, okay, well, what really matters for that goal? Mm-hmm. And we're going to focus on what's happening in those mm-hmm. areas. And, um, and that sort of, as we start our coaching practice, when we start with that foundation, mm-hmm. then it really directs us so that we're not, um, I'm not nitpicking at like, mm-hmm. if you want to sleep three hours a night and it works for you. Okay. We're not right. going to start there. Now, mm-hmm. If it stops working for you, mm-hmm. great. I, we can definitely talk mm-hmm. about that. Right. But um, it's this idea of saying, no, let's look at the stuff that matters mm-hmm. and let's figure out like, if it's working, how do mm-hmm. we help you do more of it? Right. You know, if mm-hmm. it's not working, um, what are some other ways you could think about it? Don't and not just necessarily stop doing that, but to say, how do we help you do this in a different way? Right. Um, and really look for those opportunities that feel doable mm-hmm. to that individual. And mm-hmm. so as a coach, I love it because I just I read everything related to performance science, mm-hmm. whether it's around strategy, execution, mm-hmm. mindset. And so my job is just to come to the table with a lot of different understandings mm-hmm. of what works for people. Mm-hmm. what's effective mm-hmm. and then different angles of approach because again as we work through things people are going to be different right and we don't need to hammer on something that mm-hmm. like isn't actually really relevant to mm-hmm. where you're going mm-hmm. because people have been successful doing a lot, like having all sorts of different quirks mm-hmm. and ways mm-hmm. and so it's not about one size fits all mm-hmm. right you got to look at that well, so oh my for gosh. Me for coaching. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I, and I can tell you love it so much. Um, we've only got a couple minutes left. So tell us a little bit about your company, the services that you provide, and then how people can, can connect with you. Awesome. Well, uh, so my company is called Thaxa. Um, and uh, I can be found at uh, thaxa.com. That's T-H-A-X-A. And um, really, so as I said, I focus on one-on-one coaching. And um, generally, I really work with people over a longer arc. So um, often an initial way that we start working together is, you know, over the course of like um, of a year. Mm-hmm. But right. this um, is not a quick people- fix process. Not a quick fix process. Mm-hmm. There are coaches out there. If you're like, I need a tactical fix, like there are absolute coaches mm-hmm. who do that. That's right. not really where I focus. Mm-hmm. And that's because the goals people are setting, mm-hmm. these are often leaders who um, like, maybe they're the CEO, but they also might be a senior leader who has the autonomy and responsibility for like a PL or, you know, some important piece of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we really, we look much more holistically to say, um, not just like tweak here, tweak there, mm-hmm. but say, okay, let's lay a good strategic basis mm-hmm. with like, what's the goal? Mm-hmm. What really matters for that? 
And then we're going to use that as our guide as we do, you know, one hour coaching sessions Mm -hmm. after we sort of do that initial deep Mm -hmm. dive um, to then say, great, now how do we help you Mm -hmm. um, compound in this area? let's say, or how do we help you totally remake this area Mm -hmm. if that's what's necessary? And um, so what we do, and we do that over time, right? Like this isn't a, like we text all the time or something. Mm -hmm. We definitely have a focus process where we Mm -hmm. say, okay, what matters? What do you want to focus on for next month? Let's Mm -hmm. talk about some tools or ideas. Mm. You know, if clients come in with a challenge or something, they're like, this is just what is on my mind. Mm Um, we can work through that. Um, and I act as a thought partner. Mm-hmm. So really, um, we look at stuff from all angles, mm-hmm. but we're focused in kind of where we're targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is part of what really helps people then accelerate and make progress in ways that um, felt like it was harder to do on their mm-hmm. own. Um, so um, that's sort of what an engagement looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would say I work across industries. Mm-hmm. So um, performance has relevancy in the nonprofit sector. Right. It has relevancy right. Mm-hmm. in the for-profit sector. So, um, and whether you're in professional services mm-hmm. or tech, um, you know, or or biotech, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just um, these concepts are relevant. Mm-hmm. And I really focus on that dialogue that helps us say Mm -hmm. what I have to bring to the table, how do we make it relevant in your world Mm -hmm. with your expertise and then have it produce something really great because of that combination. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, And so uh, if people are interested in just learning more about me, there's my website. Mm -hmm. Again, that's Mm thaxa.com. And then I'm also on LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. I love it. Um, Yeah. Very cool. So I think that's, yeah. Anything else, Deb? You know, I I always like to ask my guests if they have any final thoughts that they want to leave us with. Oh, final thoughts. You know, um, I think my final thought is, um, (laughs) do you remember that saying? It's like, go big or go home. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's a little provocative, but I... I think there is so much that when we kind of are willing to like go out and say, we want something, make a big goal um, and lean into the uncertainty of that, that it produces so much amazing stuff Mm -hmm. for our own personal development. We learn so much, even if it is not successful, often what happens next is really different um, in a good way. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I like to encourage people to think big, to go big, um, and um, there is lots of good that comes from the learning that we do once we decide to do that. Mm-hmm. So perfect. I, I think that's my parting advice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a delightful discussion. Can't wait to do it again with Dr. Carla Fowler. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.